0: Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro.
1: In the air to left field, going back on it. It is gone! Kevin Francis sends everybody
0: home. Balls in. Coming Coming down. down.
2: What up? Pintar for breakfast your host Kevin Franzen and it is May 3rd 2019 this is the episode number 12 for this specific podcast with many names but now it's Pintar for breakfast why not Phillies finish off the first 30 games 17 and 13 plus 16 run differential awesome epic one and a half games up in the NL East and I don't even think they've they even come close to it in their stride uh, we've seen spurts of it and I think that's, uh, that's a good thing. It's a very good thing as the summer will progress. And I'm going to bring on my one of my favorite people. One of my favorite Phillies people. Someone I talked to all for a long time, all it was, was like just a voice in my ear. Jack Fritz. <laughs> He's the evening show producer for WIP Radio back in Philadelphia and also for the Phillies games. He's the producer of that. And Jack, what's up, man?
1: Nothing. Nats are coming to town. It's, oh, uh, going to fun.
2: I have to throw out the uh, the High Hopes podcast. Yes, please. Yes, you sorry. Know. He is the host <laughs> of the High Hopes podcast, which is fantastic, by the way. Just a competitor. But I'm going to do it. You know, that's how I am. That's how I roll. I, I make Oh, sure you're a giving everyone, man. Everyone knows that. Absolutely. Uh, I wanted to bring on Jack, and, and one of the reasons why is he is so up to date. He is so in tune with everything that's going on Phillies. Uh, not only a fan, I, I just feel like you're a student of the game. And so being able to talk baseball with you in general is fun and putting it on air or right here on the podcast, I think would be even better. So we were talking about it yesterday. We wanted to give the 30, you know, 30 game breakdown. It's, it's a marathon, not a sprint as we know in 30 games. I think it was a good break as far as what we could break down. So, Three concerning factors, three positive factors, and well, Jack, I'm gonna let you go first. I want I want to know Jack Fritz's three concerns through the first thirty games for the Philadelphia Phillies. Concern number one
1: is this team's inability to hit lefties. Like it's crazy. I I you and you and Fransky brought this up. I forget. I think maybe two weeks ago. Or a week ago on the broadcast. And Hoskins is batting like one ninety-five in his career against lefties. And I just think that is absolutely it's
2: crazy. Baffling. It makes no sense to me. It's baffling. He's so good. Yeah. Could you imagine okay, so we we talk about like the the through a thousand plate appearances in like his nine hundred career OPS plus, and that's with a horrendous record versus lefties. That's, that I think is the most astonishing thing for me is he's facing these righties that he's absolutely destroying that are throwing 95 to hundred. And he, I'm not going to say he owns, but he has a pretty damn good track record against. Now he gets against these lefties and you're going, wait, what? So doesn't that make that, that 900 career OPS of a thousand plate appearances it, that, that mark a little bit like a little bit more mind blowing.
1: Yeah, and what's crazy is when the Twins came to town in the first weekend of the year, or second weekend of the year, Baldelli kept putting in lefties against Hoskins. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what is he doing? <laughs> like, this, is, this doesn't make any sense. Um, and Reese made him pay, which was nice, but it was just like, this makes no sense. And then I looked at the numbers and it's like, oh, well, that's why he does that. And like Hoskins this year, his overall stash line, he's he's batting 279, he's a 4.9 OEP, and is 6.07 slugging. He's a 4.23 woba, and all of this is without being able to hit lefties. It's crazy.
2: <laughs> well, I mean, what's funny is that like uh, I literally that was going to be my number one concern, and it's a, it's not even the left-handed pitchers; it's more left-handed starters because left-handed pitchers, the relievers, they've had more success against than than you would you would imagine, and and Bryce especially. Bryce's his numbers are putrid against left-handed starters against lefty relievers who you're thinking come in just to dominate Bryce Harper. No, no, no. no. Yeah. They got that wrong. I mean, he's done da- like he, he's shoving it up. Everyone's, you know what, when he go- gets out there, because I have no idea why Mike Dunn, he had terrible career numbers against and next thing you know, slider. Now, now slider guy hangs a slider. Boom, shot him, went bushes on him. But I, I just, I, I couldn't agree more. Um, What about you with this one with, they faced Caleb Smith twice. They're zero 2 12 innings pitched, four hits. Steven Matz, they're one and one against. They, well, they smoked him the one time. Exactly. That's the part. They, they scored eight runs, six Ernie's on on him in the first game, and he didn't even get it out. But he's gone six, seven hits, nine runs, three walks, six six strikeouts. That I, I I always say you you, you the numbers tell the truth, but when it comes back to things, um. You, you take that one away and and the numbers are even more horrendous, you know? And then they, they beat Jason. Var- they, they won the game that Jason Vargas started. <laughs> yeah, They didn't beat Jason. They, Vargas. they didn't beat Jason Vargas. Uh, Daniel Norris, they won that game, but they didn't beat Daniel Norris, Kyle Freeland. They got shoved. Like, I mean, any, any left hand, what's okay. So let me ask you this. I'll give you my opinion after, cause this is, you know, parallel to, to what I was going to do. Um, when you look at left-handed starters against this offense, what do you notice? What is the biggest challenge for this Phillies team?
1: Uh, to me, it it looks like they're not willing to go the opposite way against them. And it seems like they're trying to just pull everything against lefties and try to launch everything against against lefties, and they're kind of just peppering them with, like, change-ups away and letting it fall off the table um, and then sliders down and in, and they're not able to catch up to it. To me, it feels like their philosophy heading into games isn't perfect. It feels like they're they're trying to launch and hit home runs, and I understand that's where baseball's going, but I think they almost have to get this mindset of go the opposite way, take those pitches on the outside corner, and just drive them that way. Like, I think Segura's – that he's got the correct approach – um, against lefties, but even like even Michael Franco is off to a fantastic start. I'm pretty sure he's four for 24 against lefties this season. So it it seems like up and down the lineup, no one really has a, a correct plan heading into heading into game day.
2: Yeah, and I think Kyle Freeland was the one that I mean, you could even say Caleb Smith because he's the first starter they faced, uh, lefty starter they faced in Miami, and he only gave up one hit that game. If he establishes anything on the inner half, and and especially to crowd, the righties, I think it throws them off completely. Now, if you had a guy that's able to just, you know, not locate in and, and stay away, Steven Matz in that one game, they might mash. Might. Might is a big word. Uh, I I I don't know. It, it's something about, uh, you know, my last few years, I had good really good numbers against left-handed hitters, and I changed a little bit of my philosophy, and a lot of it was, not so much the opposite field it was up the middle more than anything um and and watching these guys swings and it's like look it's not john it, it it's not pedro guerrero that's that, that's you know hitting it's not their fault they're not hitting left-handed pitchers because you got to be able to take information yourself take it to the, you know the batter's box and do it so that that's always been my number one thing um i just at, at times i just feel like they don't think along with the pitcher uh you know changeups are going to go fade down and away to righties sliders are going to go down and in at the foot so pick either or right until two strikes pick either or and you see multiple go after the changeup go after the slider and you're going all right that's not good you're going to get eaten up right and and i feel like we're we're starting to see that at times it, against left-handed relievers it's usually a two-pitch pitcher so you're not really having to discern, do they have a changeup or a slider? It's rare, right? I mean, we're not seeing that a whole lot. Um, and and you you come to think about it, it's like, okay, who do they go, who do they who do they have soon? And what scares me is they got Corbin on Saturday,
1: That yeah. is tomorrow. <laughs> That's not going to go well, it,
2: especially because he likes to pitch in, you know, and he throws that slider down and in. And and I think if they could elevate him a little bit and make sure that he establishes in before they do anything. I mean, it, it could be a long day, but at the same time, like if they can get him out over the plate, they will win. But that's hard to do because Patrick Corbin's pretty good. Uh, do, you po- think,
1: do you think Reese is too pull-happy against lefties?
2: I just think that Reese doesn't trust himself at times to – he doesn't just trust his his power. He has power that could go literally line to line. Like, yeah. his, his swing – he is such a great swing and it at times it makes you mad because he gets so yanked, yank, yank, yank. I'm gonna yank it. Almost kinda like uh Mikey, but he doesn't, you know, step in the bucket and do all that stuff. Like Reese could put it in the bullpen at will. At at, at Citizens Bank. He could put it in at will. And I think that would be a, a huge thing. Um, you know, as Reese listens to this podcast. Sorry. Sorry. Of yeah, my bad. Uh they got Gio Gonzalez possibly Uh, in the Brewers series, and people are going to be like, oh, Gio, it doesn't matter. It's like, no, 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 it's still, it's a left-hander. And and that's in the next homestand, along with Kyle Freeland. Uh Uh-oh. Do they make the adjustment? Who knows? You know, if you fast-forward even further to the month, and you have the Cubs, you have L.A. And the Cubs could match up three lefties against you. And they will do that. They've been known to set back guys to make sure that, oh, fine, you can't hit lefties, we'll throw all three against them. Yeah. The Dodgers will do the same thing. The and Dodgers that, are and, a nightmare for this team. And that's where that's where it's a little scary for me. That's where it gets a little scary. So, I mean, they
1: have Rich Hill, Ryu, oh, yeah. uh, Urias, Kershaw, like they have a bunch of lefties.
2: Yep. Yep. And, it, it, you know, all it takes is one solid game from a guy that can – kind of change the mindset of, uh, of teams, not only on the pitching side, but on the hitting side. Right. I mean, the hitters will think, oh man, here's another lefty and you know, it's not always great, but whatever. Uh, you know, it's a concern. It is a, in, in my mind, it's a major concern. Uh, you, you got kids in the, uh, the Braves organization, you got freed. I mean, you have Newcomb, if he ever decides that, you know, he's going to figure things out, he could be nasty against them. Correct. But he's yep. in the minor leagues. Can't do it in the minor leagues. Uh, they have another lefty that was, uh, I think it's not right, but uh, another lefty that's in the in AAA for them. So, I mean, at, at, you're just going to see at some point in time, I feel like their teams are going to start taking shots at him. They're going to start throwing lefty starters just to do it, just to see. And it's how they change and how are they able to adapt. Because in my mind, and I don't know how you are on this, Jack, but like Reese being 5 for 22 against lefties, Well, all five are extra base hits. He has a 1093 OPS. And I think everyone will turn to that and be like, see, he he rakes against lefties. I think he doesn't. I think it's absolutely, that's that's the wrong thing to say. Yeah. He should. Yeah. It's not about batting average. It is not about batting average. But I do, sometimes when I see these guys, he should kill. He should kill left-handed starters.
1: What's yeah. crazy is that his numbers are already really good, and <laughs> and if he can just figure out lefties, it's game over. Oh, no like, doubt, no if, doubt. It, when when he figures it out, I'm not not if he figures it out. When he figures it out, like he's he, we're talking about going from a two sixty five ish hitter without being able to hit lefties to a two eighty to hitter with 35, 40 home runs. I mean, the the upside is insane.
2: That. That changes the narrative, I think, in just the, the general baseball talk of Reese Hoskins if he handles lefties. Yep. You know, because it's still, like, we have moved on. It's not just about batting average, which I, I would love to go back and say, yeah, it is about batting average. I love it. But same time, it's passed by on that whole thing. But when you come to general baseball talk, if Reese Hoskins is hitting two eighty with thirty five and, and ninety six or 100, whatever you want to say, so much better than 230, 35, and 100. I don't know why. You know, people are going to always say that, right? Yeah. So.
1: I mean, it's fine. I mean, I I, I do think, I don't think batting average is dead. It's just like, there's better ways to evaluate. But just when you're looking at his overall numbers, I'd like to see 280. <laughs> you know? Yeah, like, no I'd, doubt. I'd like to see those.
2: It's a beautiful number. All right, number two, concern for Jack Fritz.
1: Mine is the ninth inning. Um, I think the I think the Phillies have talent in the back of their bullpen, but LA talks about this all the time, and I couldn't agree more. The ninth inning is a different animal, and it's not. It's like getting three outs in the ninth inning is just different than getting outs at any other part of the ball game. Like you can bring in a fireman; they can come in seventh, eighth inning, and, and and shut it down right there. But there's the difference between that and going to the ninth inning. I think is is just monumental, and right now. I don't really trust anyone in the ninth inning right now. I think Hector can get the job done, but it never seems like it's clean or easy. I think Robertson was trending towards being able to do that. Unfortunately, he got hurt, and hopefully he can get back soon. And Sir Anthony, I just think his value is in the 7th or 8th inning. I don't trust him at the end of ballgames. And then Neshek, no. Um, and maybe it turns into Adam Morgan. But right now, like, they don't have a guy at the back of the bullpen that you can just count on to come in and, and shut down a ball ballgame. Um, and getting those final three outs has been a, a problem this season. Um, it, I think it's a problem that can be fixed if Robertson gets healthy. Um, but for me, the, the ninth inning and being, I mean, they, they've blown two games in the ninth inning this season. Yeah. And, um, I just think that once they figured that out, um, that
2: would help this team a lot. Well, they tried too. I mean, they tried in the off season to get Edwin Diaz, which would yep. have been nice watching that guy. Dude, that, that guy's stupid. His stuff oh, Edwin? Is, oh, his stuff is so disgusting. But yeah, yeah.
1: it's not even fair. I, I don't even understand how you even try. Like what's your plan of attack against Edwin Diaz? Pray. Yeah, yeah he, like he comes at you, it's all like he's moving all over the place, it's all fluid, like he's he reminds me of a, above those car dealerships with the arms just like flailing, uh, <laughs> the, the, but then it comes the out at 97. The, the, the air runs. ballooned ones or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: No, I, I couldn't agree more. And and I think what you said and, and what L.A. talks about all the time, uh, it is a different beast. The ninth inning is a different beast. I can't speak from a pitcher's standpoint and say, oh, you know, I, I, that, that is, that is one of the analytical things I do not believe in, I yep. do not believe in, uh, Brian Kenny, uh, comes up with all this stuff and, and, you know, you can love him or hate him. Uh, I'm still in between on him, still trying to get you know, over his ego and all that stuff. But, uh, the ninth inning is a different, different beast. And not only for them, just, you can't just have anyone do it. Like, you no, just can't. cause not, not only that you got to go further. You got to go into the players around him. Do the players in the field believe in that guy in the ninth inning? That plays a big factor. If you believe in a guy in the ninth inning, and and you know fans are going to be like, "Don't you always believe?" It's like, "No, no, you don't always believe." You you, you know when guys are puckered, uh, your your defense gets almost better, right? You're not almost you're yeah. not as in you're not as tense. So therefore, maybe that's a step, maybe two steps, you know, on on trying to get a ball. Um, yeah so I, I I mean man that's a that, that's a real good one uh how about yeah, I'll, I'll, it, just, it
1: just seems like they tighten up in those in those moments like it feels like everyone just gets a an extra level of tightness all the pitchers and filters. you know what
2: hitters could feel that and that's why yeah. there's that's why I do believe there's rallies in the ninth inning against certain closers because offenses hitters the individual battles like you could sense a little fear.
1: Well, yeah, I mean the Phillies had that against Broxton for <laughs> three years there. Yep. Like every, every time Broxton came in, I was like, "Oh, we're gonna win this game."
2: Yeah. It it was uncanny, right? Yeah. I mean, you look at you look at Stairsy, and you you could just picture the home run at Dodger Stadium. Which, by the way, <laughs> that ball was hit so high. I would like the 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 stat the stat cast on that thing. I would love to know the peak.
1: Yeah, I mean, I've never seen a ball hit so far in my
2: life, far like high. You know, okay, a couple of years ago, Monday Night Football, Aaron Rodgers throws the uh, the Hail Mary, yeah, in Detroit, and it was like the apex was like at a hundred and thirty feet. You're like, what? Like, in it's sixty yards and doing that. I bet you the arc and everything on on Stairsie's home run against Broxton would look like that. Yeah, I think
1: <laughs> the two absolute most no doubters I've seen in my life. I'll say three. I would say the, the pool Homer against Lidge in 05, the, the stairs home run in 08. And when Howard went like triple deck at the bank in in like, oh, I think it was 07. Yeah. You're missing the biggest one.
2: Them? Yeah. You're missing the biggest one. Come on. It's Which at one? citizens bank park. I mean, without a doubt, it is Barry bonds against John Lieber. Farthest ball you've ever seen hit. It, the uh, McDonald's sign has had to change like nine times because of that, because of the dysfunction that it's made from hitting it so hard. It was still do, on its way up. I do remember that. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's talked about. Yeah. So I'm going to, yeah. I'm going to interrupt you on that. And I, I I have to interject that one. I was involved in that. So I have to say it because that's the biggest bomb I've ever seen in my life.
1: Yeah. Well, that was bonds that, you know, pe- Well, actually, that was, that was later bonds, but still bonds being able to just hit second
2: tents. of last year.
1: I know it's crazy. He's, he is insane. <laughs> All right. Back on track.
2: We gotta go back on track. All right. Okay. Uh, my, my second concern, uh, is bench strength. Uh, yeah. and you know, the bench strength thing is, is weird because they got great players on the bench. They really do. It is how they were utilized early on. that I think is causing some of this and it, and it is nothing against what Gabe Kapler and, and staff have done. It is not about that. It is just like, look, you're going to roll out those guys. You're going to roll out those guys. It's fine. But you have to understand the consequences and when, you know, Nick Williams is struggling as a pinch hitter, it's because he's not getting every not it's not about every day at bats, but regular at bats. You know, like one or two starts a week. Aaron Altair, same thing. Um, you know, Phil Gosselin has, has done a great job off the bench, three for five, couple doubles. But that's about it. I mean, that that's that's crazy to think that they're nine pinch hitters this year, nine for fifty-four, that's one sixty seven, two walks, eighteen punches. Um that's not good. In my mind, you're as good as your, your bench. Uh, you're as good as your minor league system. You know, what can come up if someone gets injured? We all know that we've kind of yep. seen a little bit of a dip with the gene Segura uh, injury. It, the The bench is a, a big question mark for me. And it is nothing about the talent on there. It's just how, how they could be utilized and, and get them going. Because at some point in time, you're gonna to have to rely on those guys and you're gonna to have to rely on those guys late in the game to get a big hit. Who's that guy for you right now?
1: Yeah, and they already kind of have. I mean with the injuries, I mean um, you know Segura got hurt and then Kingery got hurt and then you were relying on Phil and I thought Phil did a nice job and then you had to bring up Sean Rodriguez. I actually I actually like Sean Rodriguez a little bit um, just from uh, uh, he mashes lefties. I think he brings in nice presence in that clubhouse. It is weird that him and Gabe played together. Uh, I think that's got to be a weird dynamic. Um, but I, I like the addition of Sean Rodriguez. He can, play, you know, he can play left, he can play short, he can play third, he can play second, first, wherever you need him to go. Um, and I think that's, that might help stabilize the bench a little bit. And, of course, he hits lefties, which they need someone that can come in and hit lefties, especially late in games. You know, late in games when uh, you, you can, the the manager will switch out uh, a righty for a lefty and Gabe can counter with bringing in Sean Rodriguez. And, and hopefully that helps stabilize it a little bit. I do think that once Kingery comes back and is healthy, that should help the bench a little bit. But, yeah, I, I agree with you. I mean... Injuries happen in Major League Baseball. I think the Phillies last year got super lucky with not really having many injuries, and their guys can just go out there and play. But like when you see the Yankees, so the Yankees lose, oh. I feel like their whole entire team, and they're still winning ball games because of the depth and because of the guys they can bring up and the trades they made uh, prior to the season, just stealing guys from teams. And I'd like to see the Phillies do a little bit more of that. Um, I understand what you're saying about getting these guys regular at bats, but when the starting lineup is was, so good, was as good as it was, it was almost hard to get those guys, um, at bats. So, and then of course, when they're asked to go out of perform it's hard to do that when you haven't gotten regular at bats, but also the starting lineup has been so good. So, um, I, I agree with you with the bench, uh, you know, the injuries happen, they've happened already this season and the guys are, they've been putting in. I just haven't felt like our, our, good enough to get the job done on most nights no doubt
2: no doubt all right your third your third concern um my third
1: concern is the resiliency of the ball club um you know like i feel like when they get down you don't really see them battling and grinding and, and putting together at bats and and whatnot i feel like they're just waiting for a home run or or whatever and the, the, the mike l double the other night was a great A great start to that but that felt like an exhale moment for me Mm -hmm. um it it didn't feel like it it was like a it was like oh thank god and whatever but i just i i need to see a little bit more resiliency from this team um it feels like once once they're down by two runs like wow i don't know how we're going to come back um and i would like to see a little bit more of that a tough mindset um and and string together competitive at bats once once you're down Try to get some kind of spark going. Um, I just I haven't really seen that from this team so far.
2: I love it. I love it. The comeback is a uh, tough thing. They they might be a front running team. We don't know. We that that's still you know to be laid out for us all. And, and a front running team meaning that uh, if, if everything's going right, they're good. If yep. things aren't going well, they are Nah, yeah, and, to, and you know? to me,
1: like ever since that six-one game, they blew six-one the game against the Nats, it just hasn't hasn't looked the same. Like the six-one no. game, yep. like this the Soto home run, and that just felt deflating. That's not a and home run. B- before that, they were like and was partying and all that stuff, and ever since then, it's just yeah, it just it, the, the emotion hasn't felt like it's been there.
2: Well, yeah, yeah, I couldn't agree more on that one. All right, my third one, Cesar. I mean that that that's the one that scares me right now, and. uh you could look at his numbers. You could and, and say what you want. Two eighty three, seven fifty one. Really good, really yep. good. That doesn't tell. That does not paint the whole picture. And I, I really think, uh, when it comes to base running, when it comes to uh, fielding, um, it scares me. He, he scares me. And and I love Cesar Hernandez. You know that we've talked to plenty about it. it. But it scares me where he's at right now. Uh, there's a lot of in his game. There's a lot of doubt. And, you know, some have said around that, well, sometimes that feels like that's a consistent thing. Like he, there is a doubt when he's out there from him. Like he doubts himself at times. It's like, okay, but does he, I don't think he does. I, it just, but it just, the way he's fielding the ground balls doesn't make sense to me. Bobby Dickerson is, is one hell of an infield coach. And he has worked and worked and worked. And it's like, as, as the game goes on, it's like he regresses. And that's, that's what scares me. So the Scott Kingery, injury couldn't have come at a worse time because at the same you know we could have seen I think their best defensive lineup is with Segura and Kingry up the middle hands down yeah and it needs to happen at some point but at the same time Cesar's earned the right to have that opportunity to you know play this out play this thing out and, and see where we're at
1: yeah and he's he's, he's hitting the ball well um, which is nice but when it's it's just been it feels like once a game once again, there's something that's like, what, what, what is going on? Um, and especially like, this team showed when they sent down Nick Pavetta that they're ready to win now, and they'll do whatever it takes to win now. Um, and they gave Pavetta, what, three or four starts and sent him right down. If Kingery was healthy, I do wonder if they would be playing Kingery at second base because they can't afford to have the 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 mistakes that are going on in the field. And I also I wonder if he he got a little bit too big this offseason, like he bulked up a little bit too much, and that has hurt some of his flexibility. But also that should never that shouldn't take away from a ball is going towards a shortstop and you go cut it off, and then that just shuts down the whole inning. Like uh, like that should not affect that.
2: You are absolutely 100% correct. I couldn't I th- that's I there's certain guys that and and look, they had their all their reasonings for having him bulk up, you know, and how much weight he loses and they talked about this and uh he he's just one of those freaks that just no matter what during the year he's going to doesn't help, matter how much he eats, he loses all of it. So, uh it is concerning. Uh look, You have, you have more time. I'm going to, I'm going to keep you on. We're going to take a quick break and we're going to come back with our three positives for the first place. And at least Philadelphia Phillies more Pine talk for breakfast, Kevin Franzen with my special guest host, Jack Fritz today coming up next.
0: You remember Jimmy Rollins speed. You remember his smile. Now remember him as a Philly forever at the Coca-Cola Jimmy Rollins Retirement Night with a special pregame ceremony Saturday, May 4th against the Nationals. Order at phillies.com.
2: Welcome back. Pine Tar for breakfast, Kevin Franzen, and my special guest host, Jack Fritz. He's the evening producer, WIP, and Philly's game day producer, Jack. We have three more positives. Actually, not three more positives. We have three positives from each guy of the first 30 games because they're 17 and 13 they they're first place in the nl east yep. plus 16 run differential where you at let's go
1: uh i think the back of the uh back of the rotation has been great uh like eflin eflin's gotten to the point for me where it's i can trust him to give me at least six innings um and then seven innings and then maybe even a complete game like we saw last sunday um for me with eflin it's 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 just fastballs when he when he is Focused on getting his fastball up, and he's just pounding teams with his fastball and then letting his off-speed work off of his fastball. He is awesome. He is, he is just solid, consistent, um, six innings, seven innings, less than three runs. Keep your team in a ball game. It's exactly what you want out of the back of your rotation. I think Vinny has taken a nice little step forward. Obviously, the start against the Tigers was not great. I mean, 100 pitches and three and two thirds isn't great, but I also don't think that was all his fault um, with the drop ball and whatnot. Uh, and he's done this nice little mechanical change where he instead of uh, a, he would reach his balance point and then rush home. He's now reaching his balance point, completely gathering, making sure all of his weights back on his back leg and then firing home. And I think that's really helped with his fastball command. And I mean, you saw it in Colorado. I mean, his fastball was electric mm-hmm. um, and it was 97 with rise to it. That's hard to square up. So uh, I think Vinny's been great. And then Eichoff, I mean, Jared Eikhoff is a guy that's going to throw you a ton of strikes. And the fact that he is found Two pitches off of his fastball with his curveball and his slider make his fastball that much harder. Instead, so, I, I know they throw 89 to 91, but when you're throwing all those curveballs, all those sliders, his 91 looks like 94, 95. Um, and I just think right now it's he, he's he's just been solid again. Like the back of rotation right now has been solid. It's it's the three, four, five. I kind of trust at this point to to go six or seven innings and keep his team in a ball game. And once Aaron Nola gets going and gets back to being Nola um the, the upside is there for this team to be really really good and Arietta I, I I've been I've been I, I like soft contact Arietta he reminds me of right now of what like early 30s Derek Lowe was like yeah doesn't strike a ton of guys yeah. out but he he generates a ton of weak contact balls moving all over the place and to me he just looks comfortable like he looks comfortable on the mound he's getting through his mechanics getting through his rotation and he's back up 94-95 and generating a ton of soft contact so um, outside of Nola I think the rotation has just been solid
2: you know when you, you think you think Jake Arrieta and you think when he was rolling with the Cubs I mean I hate the word swag yeah but no one carried themselves with more swag than that guy. Like, doing yeah, push up it. like absolutely he's got a back. Like that that's where we're at with Jake. And ooh, you just hope that guys are are looking at that like taking it in and being like I want to be a part of that. Like I want that. I want some of that. Cuz he Yeah, and
1: when when he made those comments and everyone's like worried about the locker oh, room. Man. I was kind of saying, I was kind of saying, listen, that guy is that team's leader. That yep. guy is that team's emotional guy that's that has the stature. He has the stature in that locker room. And when he comes out and says stuff like that, his words
2: matter. Yeah. No. And, and you know what? Uh Going, you know, along with your, your back of the rotation stuff. um, I wonder at what point if they can, and tell me if I'm off on this one, but you know, if they went Nola Arietta back to back, I'd be all in and have Eflin, Ikoff Velasquez. Cause Eflin and Velasquez is stuff like you could say, they are different. I get the whole thing, but the way they utilize a lot of their pitching, if you were to put Icoff in between them, I think would be a huge, huge benefit for them. And and just you know, a series, right? You you start, you have a Friday night Eflin, then you go Ikoff, then you finish it off with Velasquez. It's like, dude, you get three different guys right there. Like literally, it changes yeah. everything up. But you put Eflin and Velasquez back to back, you you get very similar. I'm not it. It's hard to say. It's not similar stuff, but very similar plan. How about we go similar plan? Well,
1: it's fastballs fast up. It's yeah. fastballs up and fastballs in. Like so. that's that's when those guys are rolling. That's their plan.
2: And and if you throw in an Icof who can get you off on you know your plan, uh, he he's your guy. That back in the day, I mean, he makes millions and millions of dollars because he's going to give you innings. He's going to do this and that. He's not throwing ninety five. And now he's like the the below average velocity guy. You're going. The guy's throwing ninety. Like that's like the coolest thing on earth. Throw ninety. What? Yeah. But now it's like unbelievable. <laughs> All wish. right, number uh, number two for you. Uh, my
1: number two is Adam Morgan. I mean, the guy's incredible. Like the, the, they went to him this off season and they were like, "Hey, uh, your fastball's getting hit. Uh, your your his average, the a- batting average against his 14 fastball last year was 444. Yeah. Um, and they were like, "Hey." you should throw your slider all the time and he's basically doing that um so like what's interesting with morgan for me is the first i would say two or three weeks of the season it was slider 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 to death and that works he hasn't allowed a run yet but now what he's doing is so they they want him to come in against righties as well because he's been so dominant um so not only is he slidering people to death but against righties, he's throwing that change up on the outside corner and letting it fall off the table, and guys aren't able able to catch up. So now now he's throwing that sinker, four-seamer, whatever, but he has two pitches off of that. So where 94-95 from his fastball is just way harder to catch up to. Um, and, and, listen, teams need lefties out of the bullpen that can come in and, and, and shut down innings. And he has done that so far. I mean, I thought his inning against the Tigers on – on Tuesday was just so impressive. I mean, he has the air, guys on second base, and then he comes back resilient and no one scores. And he kept his team in a ball game and they were you know, obviously they didn't win, but it was three one. It stayed three one because of Adam Morgan's effort. Um, and Adam Morgan just provided something that this team hasn't had since, I feel like, J.C. Romero, you know, like yeah. a guy that can come in and, and shut stuff down from the left side. So it's been it's been great to see with Adam Morgan.
2: How, how crazy is this? A barrel, okay, on, on baseball savant is defined as a well-struck ball where the combination of exit velocity and launch angle generally leads to a minimum, minimum 500 batting average and 1,500 slugging percentage, okay? Yeah. Zero. Zero barrels thus far against Adam Morgan. It's crazy. That's nuts. That he's is, nuts. Been, he's been ama- He's Like yes. he's morphed,
1: he's morphed into, into our version of Josh Hader.
2: It, you know what? I love yeah. that you say that it, it, it is. It is a great one. I mean, he's not throwing it like, uh, the, uh, the 17, you know, punchies per nine, but that's okay. That's okay. I'll take, uh, I'll take zero ERA for sure. All the time. All right. Number three.
1: Uh, my number three is both Kingery and Franco. um, Franco, I think the biggest thing with me, uh, why I was not a a believer in Michael Franco, was I thought that he pulled off and eventually pitchers, even when he's going going well early, I thought there were more mistakes up in the zone that he wasn't missing. But now what he's done in the last, I don't know, 10 games, is that he's taking balls the other way. (laughs) And for me to believe in Michael Franco long-term, I need to see him go the opposite field and hit the ball hard the opposite way. Because that's when you know Michael is... Is feeling good, feeling right, and it's just a much tougher guy to get out. I mean, Michael Franco at the bottom of the lineup is, is your eight-hole hitter. He has a he has a three twenty two batting average, like a he has like a 1300 OPS in a runners and scoring position with two outs. Like that's that's good stuff from Michael Franco. He's that's not clutch. striking out uh I think I think he's got 11 or 12 strikeouts in the year like that's crazy um so he's not striking out he's putting together good at bats he's going the opposite way um and he's developing into a a really really solid third baseman so I'm surprised um I I was not convinced he would be able to change but he is and um he's he's playing he's making himself a long-term piece for this Phillies team and then Kingery um last year it was Every at-bat he's down 0-2, it felt like. Um, and, and now he's kind of got... Like Roman Quinn this gotten... year.
2: <laughs> what? Like Roman Quinn this year.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, Roman just got buried this year with 0-2 with counts. But Kingery, you know, uh, it's good to see that he has responded to last year being a tough year. He's tough-minded. And for him to come out and play was playing as well as he was, I just think is a huge sign for the future. We, we were able to see that he can play. He can play the major league league level um and, and unfortunately he got hurt and that hamstring hopefully hopefully doesn't linger but he was looking like a really really solid player before he got hurt obviously he was never going to bat 400 in the season but i think it was realistic to say he could hit 280 ish and yeah. and do some damage down in the six hole i would say so uh it was good to see kingery show signs of life and and um hopefully he gets back soon and
2: can do some things Love what you think on that one. All right. So Mikey's my number one. He's he's my number one positive of this of this uh first 30 games for the Philadelphia Phillies. Um not only is it the RBIs, it's the defensive play, but it's something that, you know, Bobby Dickerson and I have talked to a lot about. Like we're seeing the best version of him, and we're seeing the best version of him offensively, which in many, many, many people. Um, brings out the best defensively because you're locked in, right? You're locked in at the plate. It helps it out. It eases you in on on certain things. So um, that that also is my like, uh like when he's not going, what are we going to see defensively? Because what we've seen defensively, um, is he gold glove? No, but he's been damn good. Yeah. He's my, so, Mikey's he's so been so damn too. good. Oh, yeah. But he's always happy. That's the other thing. So, I know,
1: but it's like nice to see now. Like he's he's getting on second base, doing the little wave back to the dugout. It's, I like I like Happy Michael. I
2: love Happy Michael. Um, so then we're gonna go number two, uh, new guys in general, and mostly we're gonna just do new guys in general as far as Segura, Real Muto, and McCutcheon. I mean, it. You look at those three guys. Um, I don't even know where to start. Let's go McCutcheon because he leads off. Uh, just his ability, just in in, in general. Um, uh, I don't like him playing center a whole lot because I just want I want him in left field. It just doesn't take a, a, enough. It doesn't take a lot out of him, right? You know, he's yep. getting up there in age, and I just I, I, I like him in left. He concentrates out there. He goes out and he does his thing. Uh, if your leadoff guy has five and eleven after thirty games, I think you're doing just fine. Um, eight forty two OPS. That's insane for you know what I think of, of a leadoff guy because he's getting on base, he's doing his thing, um, and more than anything, it sounds so stupid. I, I I love this game and I love like s- things that that people make look so stupidly easy. That's not easy. It's his baseball awareness. It's his yeah. base running. It's it's crazy. The instincts that this dude has are stupid. Like yeah, he's won them
1: games <laughs> on the base path, Exactly. Exactly.
2: On bloopers, on stuff, and, and look, we we had a conversation with him for a pregame, and, it, and I thought it was phenomenal because even, uh, you know, I feel like I've played and been around the game quite a while. I hadn't heard anyone break it down as much as he had that has that much speed. You know what I mean? Like there, there's certain guys that have speed, and they just, like, get away with it. Like the way he breaks down a, a, a catcher setting up in on a sinker ball guy. It's all, all, all kinds of things that you're going, damn, Andrew McCutcheon, you are the man. All right, uh, Gene Segura. I mean, we we know what happened when they were without him. Yeah, two point eight runs the game. I would say three thirty eight, eight ninety one. He's doing just fine. It's and he solidified obviously the the defensive side. Scott King played, and this has nothing to do. He's just not. He's not a shortstop. He made himself into a a good good shortstop, right? Yeah. Um, but it. His benefit to the this Philadelphia Phillies franchise is gonna be at second base. He's phenomenal over there. He really is. Yep. Um but what he did last year at shortstop should not be shortchanged at all. Gene Segura is better. And they are a better team and they feed off of Gene Segura in the tool. A guy that could fight, he could foul off pitches. He does so much. Um and I, I feel like Bryce Bryce's numbers kind of took a not numbers, but just there, there's something about having Gene in front of him that helped. There's just something yeah. about it.
1: I mean, we I mean, saw you saw it with McCutcheon too. Like McCutcheon will get on first or whatever, and then Segura is so good at just going the opposite way and and putting a ball in right field, and then and McCutcheon can go first or third. It's Segura to me is kind of the the straw that stirs the drink for the Phillies team. Like when he's going right, he is. I mean, he's putting the ball in play, getting base hits. I know base hits aren't the uh, the, the the hot topic in baseball now, but I think. His value in that, I think, is really, really good for this team because it just it sets everything in motion. Just like, just like Rollins and Victorino back in the day, Ooh, like Segura, McCutcheon, the top of this lineup is the same kind of thing.
2: Great call, great call. All right, um, number. Let's see, where am I at here? Oh, JT Riomito. I had I had to finish off with him on on my new guys deal because the way he commands everything. I mean, it's he's ridiculous just in general, the prep that he does, just the, the overall at bats that he has, the, the ability to change a little bit on his catching. Um, I'm not a big fan of the, the knee down guy, not, not a big fan of catchers going down on the knee at yeah. all. I think it's not, it's not a good look. I, I, I could hear it all the time from, you know, those uh, those catching guys that they have with dusty and, and driver and Stumpo. but at the same time, I just don't, I don't, I don't know. I, I think it, it enables him to do a couple of bad things but at the same time uh our team's going to realize don't run on him I don't think so man keep going guys keep, keep going, going. It. well it's going to be interesting cuz Jack we're getting into you know near royals week um yeah they're going to run
1: you excited for the uh, the barbecue out there you got Kansas oh, City and
2: believe St. Louis. it. I love it <laughs> but yeah i mean yeah. you you're looking Real. at a team that's just, all they're going to do is run they're gonna yeah. run. They're gonna test it because the pitchers. It's not on. It's not on JT. It's on the pitchers. And right. you know, if they don't clean that up, it could be a long series.
1: Yeah, but Real Muto has just been so impressive. From now, I I didn't. I knew his arm was good. I didn't know it was this good. Um, and his receiving has just taken a major step forward. Um, one of the things that I thought far was really good at last year was the, the ability to frame. The ball and steal strikes for his pitchers, and I think Realmuto's done a nice job of adjusting that and making himself that much better. Um, so with Real Muto, like it's interesting. I like, he he he's slowly but surely learning this pitching staff. I think that one thing that people weren't totally uh, ready for, you know, it, it takes a little while for pitchers to get in rhythm with their catchers, mm-hmm. um, and I think that's slowly coming along here. Uh, Nola's looking better and better. And I think that comes from a trust factor with his catcher um arietta's been good i mean all the other starters have been pretty good and i think real video is only going to get better from that standpoint of calling a game and whatnot uh, i think a lot of it comes down to learning the starting staff and all of that uh and at the dish like i think it's it's coming along um his, his stats right now would put him as the probably the best hitting catcher in baseball, um, or at least top two but i think that's only going to get better as the summer goes along because I think a lot of the first month was making sure he's good on the defensive end of the uh, defensive end of the ball, um, and now he's he's getting comfortable there. And now the offense should take off.
2: Perfect, love it. Couldn't agree, couldn't agree more. Anyway, number three for me, Citizens Bank Park. Yeah, it's back.
1: It's back, baby. It's back. It's awesome. And I and, and
2: I and I think that is a as big of a positive as you could have because. Um, you know, everyone wants to claim and, and me being a West coast guy and, and I have to hear it all the time about the giants fans and that they're the best. And it's like, okay, yeah, they're really good fans, but they're really, you know, they're really, they're good fans. Okay. Um, the Phillies fans are passionate and when they're out there and going nuts, there is no better home field advantage than that place. And we're starting to see it already. We're starting yeah. to see it.
1: I mean you can just tell from the electricity standpoint. Like the like there's a different level of electricity when that ballpark is going right. That's just you just don't hear it in many places. Like you'll hear it in the old Yankee Stadium, uh, Fenway when it gets going a little bit. But like the same kind of effect happens in Citizens Bank Park. Like when that thing is rolling, it's crazy. And you see it with this team, don't you? I mean, when they go on the road they had to go to Miami and it was kind of dead. New York, I mean, city feel the same kind of thing. And like the energy wasn't there, but as soon as they come home, it's like the energy's back and this team is, is back to where they
2: were. It's awesome. I mean, I got to, I got to do those games for LA in at citizens bank park. And, and Hey, it was weird. I told you that I'm like, cause this is LA spot. So yeah, uh, I struggle a little bit with that at times, but it, I, I got to feel that vibe again. I mean, Tuesday night, it was a sold out crowd against the Mets. It was like, yes, this is what I'm, this is what I'm all about right here. Like the energy, the vibe. Oh yeah. So, I mean, it was a little different than Marlins park. So that's all I would
1: say. I mean, the the different level of energy, (laughs) a little bit more excitement.
2: Well, Jack, uh, I appreciate you coming on pine tar for breakfast. Pine tar for
1: breakfast. Now, where'd you come up with that name from?
2: Uh, basically if you looked at everything that I had on myself, which was pine tar, uh, you know i eat it i drink it it's all good it's all over my helmets never mind i can't go any further than that that's why we came up with pine tar for breakfast why not
1: such a grinder you have pine such tar for breakfast. a grinder you have pine tar tuesdays in the booth you're, so you're grindy pine tar guy
2: big pine tar guy so grindy so grindy. yeah all right jack well i will talk to you down the line next week as i will be headed to st louis and kansas city and I'll have fun talking to you, and, and the fans will get to listen to you maybe after the next 30 games, and we do another
1: breakdown. Yeah, well, for the game breakdown, I'm down. I love it. Thanks, dude. All right, see you now.
2: All right. That's Jack Fritz, evening show producer, WIP, radio, and Philly's game day producer. And that's Pine Tar for Breakfast, episode 12. Thanks for joining. Peace.